are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Friday, May 21st edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, the director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and excited to wrap this week. We are another week closer to the start of training camp. Thank goodness we had Dolphins at OTAs this week. We had some player press availability yesterday between Austin Jackson and Andrew Van Ginkle, and a new series that's going to run between today and next Monday before next week's Power to the Pod on Tuesday, in which we look at the position groups across the AFC East and compare and rank where the Dolphins rank to the rest of the division. We'll do offense today, defense on Monday, Power to the Pod on Tuesday. We got a great three-day stretch, and it's always a great day with a new episode of Locked on Dolphins. Let's be completely honest. So let's get in, and I want to start today's conversation Uh, Before we get into comparing the position groups with some notable quotes that really jumped out to me throughout the course of the press availabilities yesterday, one from Andrew Van Ginkle and one from Austin Jackson. The first thing that jumped out about Van Ginkle's press availability was he acknowledged right off the top he's expecting his first child a little later this summer. And (laughs) as somebody who just had their own first child entering into the peak of their busiest season. Andrew, first and foremost, congratulations to you and your wife. And second of all, get that sleep now because (laughs) the hours uh, go by quick with a newborn baby, which so many listeners uh, have been kind enough to share their thoughts and experiences with yours truly as he's entered into fatherhood for the first time. But the question about Van Ginkle came at the very end of the press availability, and I really appreciated the, the verbiage that he used. He was asked, I wanted to ask you about the jump that the defense made in general last year. I believe you were number six in scoring defense. What did defensive coordinator Josh Boyer do in his first year as a coordinator that made things come together for everyone as well as they did? Andrew Van Ginkle said the following, I think it's everybody believing in his coaching and everybody buying in. Everybody was doing their specific job and nobody was trying to do anything extra. If you take care of your business and make sure your grass is green, everything will be fine. You don't need to be worrying about your neighbor's grass. Just take care of your grass, and everything will take care of itself. And as a defense, you'll come together, and you'll be a darn good defense for sure. And the Dolphins, for sure, uh, with the exception of a handful of games, were not just a darn good defense. They were a damn good defense. Uh, Sixth in scoring, that believe they were number one in scoring defense entering into the final week of the season last year. And obviously that... Soured very quickly with the way things went in Week 17. But uh, for the Dolphins, uh, I-, I love that that visualization that Andrew provided in his press availability about worrying about your own grass, don't worry about your neighbor's grass. And it's it really comes down to just executing your 1-11th of every individual play. And I think that's an important realization that the, the more I've studied uh, the the Patriots-style defense uh, and how they don't rely a lot of times on just lining up with their front four and, and going out and beating you, beating the guy across from them. They, there's a lot of schemed pressures, and sometimes that means 
guys that are the most disruptive are not necessarily the guys that are getting schemed into the open rush. You think about up front and some of the stunt games that the the Dolphins will implement going back to Brian Flores and his experience in the Bill Belichick defense. And uh, again, you know, this is, I think, the third time I've referenced this video series from Coach Vass, V-A-S-S, on YouTube. But he's literally got like 90 minutes worth of YouTube videos on Patriots stunt games from Brian Flores' final year there in which they won the Super Bowl and beat the Rams. And whether it's Ram or you or me, it's all these twists and stunts up front that involve two or three man games that involve loopers coming back inside. And, you know, for, for, I I think of that, especially for a guy like Christian Wilkins, right? Who was the first pick in the Dolphins 2019 NFL draft class, 13th overall. And he's come into the league and he really hasn't had a lot of splash plays. Uh, and, And some will look at that stat sheet and they'll question whether or not the Dolphins made a good selection with Christian Wilkins. But Christian Wilkins does a phenomenal job of minding his own grass on defense and not worrying about his neighbor's grass, not trying to do too much, understanding when he's in a penetration role to occupy two blockers and allow somebody to come up behind him and rush free through an interior gap. That's the kind of selflessness that this defense needs to work and granted, we, we came into this offseason and said the Dolphins need more guys who can win some one-on-ones to free themselves up to be as multiple as possible for when they face the teams uh, that you, you can't blitz because they have high-level quarterback play that can beat the blitz and get the ball out on time. So long story short, I had never heard it phrased that way, but it, it's you do your own job. You worry about your 111th of every given play. And Andrew Van Giggle talking about that being how this Dolphins defense last year came together uh, is a really cool illustration of that. And a lot of times you'll look at the Dolphins defensive stat sheet and you'll kind of, aside of Xavier Howard with 10 interceptions last year, you'll kind of look at it and you'll you'll wonder where the, the difference makers are. And it's very much a week-by-week, matchup-specific. We find a matchup and an isolation that we like. And then we attack that until they prove they can stop it. And when they prove they can stop it, what do they do to stop it? And where else does that make them weaker uh, when they have the football? It's a great mentality for the Dolphins defense uh, from top to bottom. And they have a bunch of guys on that depth chart that think and feel and act that same way. So for all of the optimism that we have about the Dolphins defense because they went out and drafted Jalen Phillips, and Javon Holland as a guy as guys who can be difference makers and make splash plays, uh, they're both also going to be very good fits for Miami from a scheme perspective, not just a win by being a better athlete or by being a more dynamic player. Those two guys do their one eleventh, and they don't try to do too much or pay attention to somebody else's grass. And this defense is going to be cooking with gas in twenty twenty one. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can now track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA and NHL playoffs, and UFC. 
Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information available to you. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs into the postseason. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The quote that jumps out the most to me from Austin Jackson is a two-parter, but it it talks about what's different in year two and what he took away from year one. Uh, Austin Jackson said there's a lot of things that are different when you're not in a pandemic, first and foremost. Being able to just have way more access to resources this year as opposed to last year certainly helps a lot. Getting my feet set for my second year, having more knowledge, Knowing a little bit more of what to expect is pretty good. I would say that's probably the biggest difference from this time last year to this time this year. I'd say one thing we can take from last year is going through adversity. I think when you go through a lot of adversity and come out the other end of it, you learn how to just be consistent in yourself and what you can control. So the things that you can control as a football player is what you do on the field, how you take care of your body, showing up every single day. I think we got a real good glimpse of that last year, which will help us carry over into the future and being able to lock those things down. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. We're just going to keep it moving with that. So this is good perspective for not just Austin Jackson, but for the entirety of the Dolphins' young offensive line. And I think that's an important thing to remember about the entirety of this group. As I think back to my pre-draft evaluations of Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt, both of whom I had top 100 grades on, uh, but didn't quite value as high as evaluating it from an all 32 team perspective for the draft network as what the Dolphins did specifically for them. And granted, it made sense, the decision that they made, and they wanted to invest in the offensive line. And the investments that they made in both Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson were investments that made a lot of sense from a three-year snapshot, but maybe not necessarily from a one-year snapshot. And that's how Robert Hunt doesn't end up starting the year as a starter. Now, Solomon Kinley also had a big deal to do with that because he took the starting right guard job from the jump. And I also thought he was a little rough around the edges. I think he, he was probably a higher floor player, but you felt as though maybe he had some limitations and the, the foot injury that he played through and dealt with was a limiting factor for him in 2019 with the Georgia Bulldogs. So this entire group, you think about what they are now bringing with a year of experience. And if the adage is true that you make your biggest jump from year one to year two, and you think about what these guys were, and they were drafted to be developmental starters who got pushed into the starting lineup because the ceiling was high enough and the floor of the other players and contenders like the Jesse Davises of the world was low enough that it made sense to just let them play and get the on-job experience. Well, lo and behold, they, they were developmental players who really didn't get a lot of coaching before the start of the season or a lot of reps. They were just kind of thrown into the fire, and that, you know that, it, we've known that for a while. But to hear Austin Jackson kind of vocalize that and verbalize that and talk about having resources available to him at this point this year that he didn't have last year. And you think about how raw Austin Jackson was coming out of USC, and he's the day one starting left tackle. And then so you start to kind of forecast that forward and a lot of the fate of the 2021 Dolphins is going to lie in all these young players and how much better they get. There's going to be some players, this is just law of averages. There are going to be some players who come in for the Dolphins and they're no better than they were last year. 
as young players who were just recently added to the team. There's going to be some players who come in and they're marginally better than they were last year. And there's going to be some players who come in and they're going to be notably, significantly better than what they were last year. You think about the 2019 class. Christian Wilkins was a better version of himself in 2020 than he was in 2019. What he was asked to do within the confines of the Dolphins' defense did not necessarily allow him to showcase himself in a starring role. But nevertheless, he was better. The pad level was better. The winning at the point of attack was better. The hand usage was better. Andrew Van Ginkle, significantly better in 2020 than he was in 2019. And of course, he missed a significant portion of the season because of injuries. And when he did get on the field in 2019, it was more of a rotational type role. Miles Gaskin, significantly better in 2020 than he was in 2019 as a seventh round draft selection. Michael Dieter, it's hard to say how much better he was, but he was a starter in 2019 and he wasn't a starter in 2020. Isaiah Prince was off the team by the end of the Dolphins' 2019 season, and Chandler Cox, the fullback, was marginalized because of the change in the offense that was brought in when Chan Gailey became the offensive coordinator in 2020. So that 2019 class is a great illustration of just the law of averages. Christian Wilkins was better. Was he exponentially better? No, but he was better. Andrew Van Ginkle and Miles Gaskin were significantly better players. Michael Dieter, Isaiah Prince. I mean, Isaiah Prince is what he is. He was off the team. Michael Dieter and Chandler Cox, you call him a push. So the law of averages played out very well for the 2019 class that you get a little bit of each. Who's going to fall into what buckets in 2021? If I had to guess... I would say Solomon Kinley will probably look similar to the player that he was last year, just because I don't think the athletic ceiling is especially high. Raekwon Davis is going to have a hard time following up how good he looked in stretches of 2020. So if those, even if those two guys come back and they're the same or marginally better versions of themselves as what they were last year, that's perfectly fine for the Dolphins. You don't need five All-Pros on the offensive line. You don't need four All-Pros on the defensive line. And they're good enough at what they did and good enough at what they do that you can feel comfortable with those guys being starters even if they don't improve. That's the best-case scenario. Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson become significantly better players. Look out. If Tua Tungvalu becomes a significantly better player, look out. Law of averages says you probably won't get all three. My expectations are Robert Hunt is the highest. Tua Tonga-Valoa is probably second on this list of three from an expectations perspective just because he is throwing to some new players. I think the chemistry with Jalen Waddle will help. Will Fuller, he's got the suspension the first week against the Patriots. What role and how much chemistry they can establish and how quickly within the confines of a presumed overhauled passing offense, it may be slower to see that thing really sizzle. 
So I would put Robert Hunt moving inside. I think he is best positioned to make that exponential improvement leap. I think Tua Tagovailoa is very well aligned to make the exponential improvement leap. And Austin Jackson, I just think, had probably the most development that needed to take place. Whether or not that happens is yet to be seen. You know, a lot of times you need reps to get that taken care of. But he's getting some reps, and he will get more reps in this preseason than he did last year. So with that in mind, let's let's shift gears. Let's talk about, we're going to do quarterback, running back, pass catchers, and offensive line. A number of groups. So comparing the Dolphins' offensive units within the entire offense to the rest of the AFC East and ranking these things from top to bottom. Let's dig in. The Dolphins' quarterback room, Tua Tungvaloa, and Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, former starter with the Indianapolis Colts, longtime backup to Andrew Luck, former New England Patriot. The Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Mitchell Trubisky, Jake Fromm. The New England Patriots, Cam Newton, Mac Jones, Jarrett Stidham, and I'll throw Brian Hoyer in here just because it's who knows how that group is going to shake out. And then the New York Jets, Zach Wilson, James Morgan, and Mike White. I don't think it's necessarily a hot take when you review what Josh Allen has done, not only to the Dolphins, but did to the entirety of the NFL last year. And then Mitchell Trubisky being a top five overall pick, now being the backup, which I think is a perfect role for him to kind of reacclimate himself, kind of put him on that Marcus Mariota plan. The Bills have the best quarterback room in the AFC East. That should not be a hot take at this point in time. I would put the Dolphins second. Because you look at what the Patriots have, and Cam Newton struggled down the stretch. He struggled with durability and staying healthy over the last three seasons now. Um, Mac Jones, completely unproven. Brian Hoyer is no bueno. And for as bad as Brian Hoyer is, Jared Stidham's arguably worse. The Dolphins have a very accomplished quarterback in Jacoby Brissett backing up to a tongue of Aloha, who showed bright flashes last year showed better flashes than what Cam Newton did after the first three weeks of the season. I think Tua Tagovailoa has better physical tools than Mac Jones. I would put the Dolphins' QB room, number two, in front of the New England Patriots, who are ahead of the New York Jets, who I put last. James Morgan and Mike White, not sure either one of those is quarterbacks on a lot of different rosters across the league. Zach Wilson, number two overall pick. I think he's in for a rough transition to the NFL, personally. I think he's got plenty of physical tools, but him being thrust into the starting lineup the way that he is for an offensive line that is a little rough around the edges aside of Mekhi Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker. And they brought in Corey Davis, which is good, and have Denzel Mims, a second-round pick from last year, and drafted Elijah Moore in the second round this year. It's just a lot of youth. you got a developing quarterback with a lot of developing players around him. And Zach Wilson at times in 2020 at BYU – playing for a smaller program, in my opinion, had bad process and good results. That's going to lead to a dicey transition as he learns the things that he can't get away with it with the New York Jets and the NFL that he got away with at BYU playing against the San Jose States of the world. So for me, quarterback's rooms, Buffalo, Miami, New England, New York Jets. Running back rooms. Gets a little interesting here. We'll start with the, with the Bills because they finished first in the last group. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, 
Matt Breida, Taewon Jones, the Miami Dolphins, Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, Patrick Laird, Savan Ahmed, Jared Dokes, the New England Patriots, Damian Harris, James White, Ramondre Stevenson, Sony Michelle for now, would not be surprised if Michelle is off that roster by the time the season starts, and then the New York Jets, LaMichael Pirine, Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, Ty Johnson. This is tough, and as much as we turn our nose up at the Dolphins' running back room, it's one of the better ones uh, in this division. I will put the New England Patriots first. I think Damian Harris uh, is primed to be a, a good player for them. James White's been a very productive receiving back for quite some time. Ramondre Stevenson was a player that I liked as a fit for the Dolphins. Made a lot of sense. Those three guys combined, even if Sony Michelle, who was a former first-round pick, is gone, and if he is dropped, would not be surprised at all to see the Miami kick the tires on that one. I, I think that's a really good group. Uh, I would probably put the Buffalo Bills second between Zach Moss, who took over featured ball carrier role towards the end of last year, was a really good back at Utah. Uh, I, I think he has really good potential to be a 1,000-yard rusher, and if the Bills are going to put an added emphasis on running the football and taking some hits off of Josh Allen, he's primed for a big year. Make note if you're a fantasy football player. Uh, Devin Singletary was productive as a rookie in 2019, but the Bills liked him so much they drafted another running back in the third round of this past year's draft. I put the Dolphins at three. Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, Savan Ahmed. This team showed that if the running game get some push from the offensive line down the stretch last year. They can carve some chunk gains. Uh, but that's the, the Dolphins are going to be relying on the offensive line to make the improvements in the running game, and they're going to be relying on the receivers to generate more spacing across the offense to generate more too high safety looks so they can run the ball freely at will. And I put the Jets third. LaMichael P. Ryan, Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter. I know they drafted Michael Carter in the fourth round of this year's draft, but not a lot of experience, not a lot of production. So let's go to pass catchers. We'll start with the Patriots this time, since they finished first in the running back room. Uh, the featured wide receivers in this offense, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Nikhil Harry. You can then include their tight ends of Hunter Henry and Janu Smith plus two third-round picks last year in Dalton Keene and Devin Asai-Asai. Certainly an interesting tight end room that has been overhauled, but a little bit overkill to spend two third-round picks on tight ends in 2020 and then sign two tight ends in free agency in this year's cycle uh, to what was a record-setting number of guaranteed money for the tight end position in the history of the league. The Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, and I would add in, you know, whether it's Isaiah McKenzie or Marquez Stevens or whoever you want that wide receiver five to be, this team runs enough 10 personnel, which is one back, zero tight ends, four wide receivers, that it's worth mentioning the five deep. And then the tight end position, Dawson Knox, Tommy Sweeney. Tight end position is not going to be a starring role in this offense, but Dawson Knox is a very good athlete for the tight end position. Uh, just kind of underutilized in, in college at Ole Miss and, and kind of coming into his own here uh, with the Bills. 
the Dolphins, Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell, Preston Williams. You want number five to be Albert Wilson. You want it to be Lynn Bowden Jr. You want it to be Robert Foster. I like the depth of this group a lot now. Credit to the Dolphins for coming out and adding enough pieces to say that they've adequately not just addressed, but invested in this position group. And then the tight end room, Mike Isecki, Hunter Long, Adam Shaheen, Durham Smythe, and the New York Jets, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole at wide receiver, tight ends Chris Herndon, Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft. Uh, You'll be stunned to know I'm putting the Jets last again. (laughs) I think you look at the featured player for each of the groups. Uh, Corey Davis being the best receiver on the New York Jets group is the worst best player. I think when you include Hunter Henry at the tight end position for the Patriots, and Nelson Aguilar had comparable production to Corey Davis this past year. Anyway, uh, I would put the Bills at one. Stephon Diggs is the best wide receiver in the AFC East coming into the 2021 season. Will he be that at the end of the year? That remains to be seen. But based on the season he had last year, it's phenomenal. Emmanuel Sanders is your two, is very good. I would put the Dolphins back at two here. Will Fuller, Devontae Parker is a really accomplished one-two punch. Devontae Parker is your number two on the outside, is a good place to be. Obviously, you have a top 10 pick in Jalen Waddell, who's lightning in a bottle. You have Mike Isecki, who's one of the better tight ends across the league, and a third-round pick this year in Hunter Long. I like this group. Uh, I think these pass catchers are, it's not like no excuses, like, wow, this is an embarrassment of riches. But I like this receiving group relative to the rest of the AFC East. I just think Buffalo has an elite talent, and they have really good depth. So I'll put that over the really good depth and really good talent that the Dolphins currently have. I'm putting the Patriots at three because of this tight end room specifically. Hunter Henry and Janu Smith plus Nelson Aguilar. That group, that trio, has the ability to make some headaches and create some headaches. Uh, from a 12 personnel perspective and, and how you choose to match up with that and try and account for the run game and the QB run game out of that, that's a tough assignment. Uh, so I will put the Patriots at three and the Jets at number four. Which brings us to our offensive lines. I'm going to start with the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills projected starting offensive line and their key swing player. Deion Dawkins, John Feliciano, Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, Darrell Williams, Their swing tackle is Spencer Brown, a third-round pick in this year's NFL draft. Darrell Williams, very good at left tackle. Mitch Morse, very good at center. Deion Dawkins, a strong starter at tackle. And both guards, Feliciano and Cody Ford, serviceable starters. The Dolphins, Austin Jackson, left tackle. Solomon Kinley, left guard. Matt Skura, center. Robert Hunt, right guard. Liam Eikenberg, presumably the right tackle, and veteran DJ Fluker as your utility offensive lineman that I think could play conceivably four spots. I think he can play on the left side. He's played guard and tackle, so he's got experience inside and outside. That's a very valuable piece to have. The New England Patriots. Isaiah Wynn, former first-round pick at left tackle. Michael Nwenyu projected to take over for Joe Thune at left guard. David Andrews at center, 
Shaq Mason at right guard, and Trent Brown is back with the Patriots at right tackle. The New York Jets, Mekhi Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker, first-round picks in each of the last two years' NFL draft at left guard and left tackle. Connor McGovern at center, Greg Van Roten projected at right guard, and George Fant projected at right tackle with Chuma Idoga, a third-round pick from 2019, as the swing player. How do these rank? The Patriots had the best offensive line in the division. I look at what the Patriots have, and I ask myself, how many quality starters does this team have on the offensive line? They've got at least three in Andrews, Mason, and Trent Brown from center over to right tackle, plus starters. Michael and Wayne, you look to be a complete steal. He was excellent as a rookie this past year. He's not Joe Thune, but he's still the potential to be a plus starter. And Isaiah Wynn, when he's healthy, has the ability to make a very good impact in the running game as well. So they have three plus starters. I look at the Buffalo Bills. I also think they have three plus starters. I don't think their talent is as good at the top as the New England Patriots. They aren't quite as deep. But I do think Darrell Williams, Mitch Morse, and Deion Dawkins are three plus starters on the offensive line. Ceiling's not as high as the Patriots. And then Cody Ford and John Feliciano are serviceable starting players. So you got three plus starters, three average starters. For the Dolphins, how many plus starters on the Dolphins' offensive line? Right now, I don't have a definitive answer. I'm anticipating that Robert Hunt's going to make a big leap at right guard, and he will be a plus starter this season for the Dolphins at right guard. I look at Austin Jackson. It's a bit of a shot that he can develop into that. I think he can develop into an average starting left tackle. I think Matt Skura has the potential, if he works out his snapping issues, to be a plus starter at center. Uh, But that big snapping issue is a big question. So I think you're looking at a bunch of serviceable starters, and it's can you find two impact players? If you can find two impact players, then great. I can't count Liam Eikenberg there yet because he hasn't played a snap in the NFL yet. But if you get the right side of your offensive line, if Liam Eikenberg turns into a plug-and-play starter and he's above average, and Robert Hunt is a plus starter at guard, and Matt Skura takes care of his snap issues, I know there's a lot of ifs here. You can contend with Buffalo as far as an offensive line talent standpoint. I think their front five, their consistency, is better than the Jets. I think Mekhi Becton is probably more physically talented than anybody on the Dolphins' offensive line. I think Elijah Vera Tucker can be very good at guard. But again, he, like Liam Eikenberg, hasn't taken any snaps yet. But I think the Jets, where they I fall off the bus for them, is looking at McGovern, Van Roten, and Fant from center over on the right side of the offensive line. It's a bit of a problem. So I put the Dolphins at three behind the Bills, and I put the Jets at four. So if you look at and you add up the value of what was assigned, fewer points is better. How do these teams stack up in the AFC East this year? The the Buffalo Bills are tops. Uh, They add up all their rankings combined. They check in with seven points. Fewer points is better. The New England Patriots, number two with eight points. Best offensive line, best running back group. That's going to help. Here's the good news. The quarterback room I put behind the Dolphins. 
the wide receiver room I put behind the Dolphins. The Dolphins finished with 10 points, very close to the Patriots. And the Jets finished last in all four groups with 16 points. Uh, So 7, 8, 10, 16. We will do this on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to tell you right now, it looks very rosy for the Dolphins on the defensive side of the football. And when you add all these things up, I, I think that's where you'll get the best imagery of where this team stands relative to the AFC East. I would tell you not to sweat too hard about me putting the Dolphins at three right now because a lot of this has to do with uncertainty with player development. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the show. Some of these players are going to improve little to none. It's a law of averages. Some of these players are going to improve marginally, and some of these players are going to improve exponentially. You look at what the Patriots brought in on the offensive side of the football. They're only significant rookies. They're only top 100 pick on the offensive side of the football coming in. Mac Jones at quarterback. You look at what they brought in from last year. Their only prominent year two players on the offensive side of the football are Michael and Wenyu, a sixth round pick at left guard, and the two tight ends who the team likes so much that they went out and spent a ton of money on to replace. So the ceiling for player development for New England is not measurable to that of the Dolphins. And if the right players take the right step forward, we could get to the end of the season. We could redo this exercise and say, hey, you know, the Dolphins, they're, they're better than the Patriots' offensive unit when you combine all these rankings together. But even with the Dolphins ranking behind the Patriots, I think the Dolphins have a very, very important group ranked in front of the Patriots that could make the whole thing different if Tua Tagovailoa takes the step forward that we're hoping that he does in 2021. We'll do the defense on Monday. We'll get a grand total at the end of this as well. We'll do some coaching and do those ranks and get the full snapshot of where the Dolphins rank amid the AFC East. But this was a great wrap-up to a great week. I thank each and every one of you for carving some time out of your day to listen to the show. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. I'll talk with you all on Monday. Fins up.